You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, I- I'm almost going to ask, did you even watch the game last night? Because, well, <laughs> there was no Giannis, and uh, I-, I don't know if I would blame Bucks fans for not watching that one. So um, you can let me know, and also, how are you? I'm, I'm good. I mean, my... Um, uh... I'm I'm the husband of a 39 uh, week pregnant lady, so uh, my Saturday night was did not involve uh, much beyond sitting around the house. And uh, uh, as you as you know, my wife is a Rockets fan, and there was a uh, uh, important game over this weekend between the Rockets and Warriors. So it was a basketball night, and uh, the Sixers Bucks was sort of the entree, uh, the, the not the entree, the appetizer, I guess, for for the other game. So. Um, so yeah, uh, I did watch it. Um, I was uh, not really vested in it, in the sense of I was just like, all right, we'll, we'll see what happens here. Yeah. And um, you know, ultimately the Bucks, you know, scoreboard wise, get blown out one sixteen ninety four. Um, it was you know a more competitive game than that. Uh, the Bucks did. Uh, did they have a tied at eighty four at one point, or were they just within two? It it was obviously pretty close. Um, going into in, in early stages of the fourth quarter uh, before the Sixers just, you know, 32 to 14 in the fourth quarter, obviously just, you know, really take the Bucks apart there at the end. But, um, but I don't know. I mean, I just treated it as sort of a curiosity, you know, all right. I don't, I don't expect them to win. Um, even though <laughs> the Sixers are obviously not a team that has been particularly great this year, this year, they're a team that's playing better now, but um, you know, certainly uh, with Giannis de Decumbo, the uh, finding out on Friday and Saturday that he was going to miss not just this game, but then also uh, Monday's game against the Suns. Um, yeah, it took a lot of the edge off of this game. And <laughs> for on top of that, Malcolm Brogdon missing the game with personal reasons. Um, certainly, I don't know, the state of the Bucks. I mean, we, we don't trust the Bucks to win when they do have those guys. So uh, certainly I didn't really expect much on Saturday night. And, and I don't know, I kind of hate the fact that I've been lulled into sort of this like level of indifference when Giannis doesn't play. But I don't know. That's kind of where I am with the Bucks right now. I, I am curious, and any of you people listening that want to tweet at us like, and let, let us know, but I, I got the kind of general feeling that that was kind of what Saturday night was, was either extreme anger uh, because you're just upset about the Giannis situation and uh, the minutes that he was playing and now needing to miss games. And like that, I feel like that there was either anger or just total indifference. Like, nah, whatever. Bucks game is on. It's fine. And I don't know if there was an in-between there. It just felt like it was either one of those two things. So I'm curious what any of our listeners feel and, and how they felt kind of going into that game, because I think I could, uh, I could largely understand uh, a certain level of indifference uh, as you watched a, a Giannis list and Brogdon list Bucks team um, and a Bucks team that, I mean, uh, just you're looking just looking at the guys that played the there's a lot of names on there that if you see those guys play that number of minutes wow okay this is probably gonna probably gonna be a pretty rough night and that that's really exactly what it was. So uh, I would be curious what people thought ab- about the game. Um, we can talk a little bit about the game before talking more about Giannis. But uh, like you said, Bucks get it close at the start of the fourth quarter. I think they're they're down eighty four eighty at the start of the quarter. Get it to within two with a 
Plumley Dunk, which is a strange thing to say. Uh, Marshall Plumley. Um, so uh, another- we should we should really make this the Marshall Plumley podcast because my guess is we will not have any other opportunities to do so this year. But um, I, I don't think I have it in me to do a Marshall Plumley podcast. But but we'll try to talk about him a little bit because obviously, uh, let's just say this: he made the most of his opportunity and sure. certainly was was part of uh, um, the Bucks being at least competitive with this team uh, on Saturday. Yes. Yeah, Six points and six rebounds in nine minutes for Marshall Plumley. Um, just a a solid night for him. Um, a a two way guy and just did not not someone that uh, I don't even think when he got signed he was two way. We didn't even talk about it. Like we that wasn't something that we ended up discussing. So yes, um, he exists. He's we we acknowledge that it happened, but he, he exists. I, He's it, on the team. Yeah. In my head, I was, uh, I don't think I ever said this, but in my head, I was like, what, what would be the over under on Miles, on Marshall Plumley minutes this year for the box? And in my head, my first thought was 10 minutes Ooh. and he's at nine already. He's at wow. nine. So he's probably going to blow past that. Yeah, he definitely is. Um, but yeah, like you said, he was, he was kind of fine. He was a part of the unit in, what was that the second quarter that kind of helped the, the Bucks come back in that game? Uh, Chris Middleton's first career triple double, 23 points, 14 rebounds, 10 assists, one steal, uh, nine of 20 shooting, one of five from three, four for four from the free throw line. Um, the rest of the starters all, Scoring double digits as well. Um, Eric Bledsoe, 5 for 18, 14 yeah. points, 3 assists, 5 steals, 1 yeah. block. Um, and just just not a good night for him. And uh, when do we need to have a serious conversation about Eric Bledsoe, Frank? Well, I mean, it's kind of hard. Like, uh, I always kind of struggle. We, we had this with Chris earlier in the year. I mean, when a guy is in a horrendous shooting slump, I mean, we can say he needs to shoot better, and he's bad when he makes no shots at all. Um, yeah. But I'm not. I'm not sure what. I'm not sure what we're necessarily adding to the conversation. I mean, we know Eric Bledsoe is not a guy who's going to shoot like 25% from the field over an extended period. Like, yeah. I mean, we kind of know he's like you know a low to mid 30s three point shooter, and he's you know a guy who historically has been a pretty reasonably efficient scorer. Um, you know, not out of this world or anything, but does enough in terms of being able to get to the rim um, and knock down, I guess, enough perimeter shots, get get free throws enough to to score pretty efficiently or at least you know decently. Um, and obviously over the last, especially over the last week or two, um, you know, he's had just a bunch of seemingly a bunch of just really bad games in a row. Or was this three straight games that he's been just really bad? And I think um, so. It, yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's bad when he's breaking tons of shots and he keeps shooting. And I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want him to start passing up open shots. He's had three out of four bad games. I should say five out of 18 Saturday, two out of 13 on Wednesday. I want to say maybe his only two makes in that game were alley-oop dunks. Did he have an early alley-oop dunk too? He had one mm, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so, uh, and then he did have eight out of 15, um, did, did play well against uh, John Wall and company in the Washington game, but then four out of 16, in the game before that against Miami. So, um, so yeah, I mean, he's, in a, he's obviously in a, 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 a shooting slump of late. I mean, interestingly, right now for the season, he's shooting 44.4%. He's, his career number is 44.4%. He's shooting 31% from three, career 33%. Um, so again, I mean, a lot of these things are just kind of, you know, it comes and goes and uh, obviously you just wish you got had more consistency from from your point guard in terms of scoring because certainly Chris has had some bad games at the same time and that makes it kind of doubly difficult because when Chris is not shooting well and Eric's not shooting well and even Giannis has had a couple games of late where he hasn't been effective scoring um it, yeah I mean your your offense probably is not going to be that good when those three guys are taking a bunch of shots and not making them so, so yeah it's tough I mean we you'd love it if he would you know not shoot shots that he's going to miss and you know instead like be a playmaker or something like that but um you know by the same token i mean when he gets open shots i want him to take them i think a lot of those long twos are the ones that really hurt when he's in a slump because it's just like dude that that's not the slump breaker (laughs) um but uh but yeah i mean it's tough and and, but it's by the same token i mean 
you know, he's averaging over three steals a game over these last five. I mean, we saw it against the Sixers as well. I mean, he does have this ability to kind of create havoc with um, his his defense. Um, but obviously, you know, end of the day, uh, yeah, it was a bad game for Bledsoe. And, um, you know, certainly on a night like this where uh, Giannis is out, you you need him and Chris to, to be good. Chris held up his end of the bargain. Maybe not a super efficient scoring night by any stretch, but, you know, a triple-double from him. I mean, hat tip to Chris Middleton for, for doing, you know, a lot on a night when when they needed it i guess where i'm i'm starting to become interested with blood so is when the trade was made i think part of my excitement was blood cell being able to help carry bench units was blood cell being the relatively clear number two to Giannis and moving chris down in the pecking order and being able to do more things through Bledsoe. And uh, again, obviously anything we're going to talk about this year uh, with players, uh, with the team's performance, like obviously coaching will play a role in that. But like, do you feel that Chris Middleton has moved down in the pecking order at all? Like, I don't feel that. I feel that he's still the number two. And that's a poorly casted role for Chris Middleton. Like, that isn't the guy that that you really want him to be. And I just, I don't know if there's ever going to be a day where Bledsoe is that number two. And there's there's been games where Bledsoe plays good. He's, He's able to have a solid scoring night. But I just feel like with the way that he plays, and I guess even kind of like the way that he collects assists, like he, I think he's had about four games since he's he's gotten here, but it never feels like he's that number two playmaker that like everything can just flow through. Like he's just kind of a bit player that will have a couple minutes where he's there in the mix for everything, and then kind of fading back and then back in a little bit later and he's had some some really good moments uh, obviously helping close out some games and hitting some tough shots but i don't know i i don't want to i don't want to wonder if i'm disappointed with the eric bledsoe that we've seen thus far but i am just kind of curious about what he is as a player well i mean we can look at the numbers right he takes 0.3 more shots per game or sorry, per 36 minutes than Chris. So Bledsoe plays notably fewer minutes than Chris. He's at about 31, 32 minutes versus Chris at 37. Yep. Um, but if you look at it per 36, so per minute, um, Bledsoe takes slightly more shots per game. He takes 1.4 more free throws per 36, 5.4 versus 4. Um, he does turn it over more as well. Um, and he also scores more points per minute than Chris Middleton does. He's at 20 points per 36, even Chris is at 19.4. So um, he also, as you'd imagine from all those numbers being higher than Chris, he also has a higher usage rate than Chris Middleton. So, um, I mean, certainly in terms of, you know, does Eric Bledsoe do more stuff on a court? He also averages more assists per 36. He's actually the Bucks' leader in assists per minute. He's at 4.7 assists per 36 versus Giannis 4.4 and Chris at 4.2. But again, because those guys play more minutes, you know, their raw numbers, you know, make mm-hmm. Bledsoe's pale a little bit more. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, again, I will not say that like, oh, Eric Bledsoe is really carrying second units. And when Giannis is off the floor, you can just throw Bledsoe out there and everything's great. Um, you know, I don't think we've seen that by any stretch. Um, you know, generally the Bucks have just been kind of been bad when, when Giannis has been off the court. Um, although I, I also... I also feel like maybe there's been more overlap between Bledsoe and Giannis than I think there needs to be, um, especially with all these, especially with all these minutes where Delhi's been on the court without um, without Bledsoe. Um, and again, not that I really want Delhi out there with another like, I mean, I is mean, a Delhi is just kind of tough, I think, in general. Um, but I, I would rather have Delhi out there with Giannis than Delhi out there with like Middleton and mm-hmm. a bench unit, you know, which we've talked about it for a bit. So. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's kind of tough. I mean, to me, I mean, Bledsoe's kind of been who he is to a large extent. Um, you know, he's shot the ball better from three a uh, number of times, and this is the his worst shooting season from three since the 11-12 season when you know, his first two years in L.A. He didn't really shoot threes at all. Um, but since then, he's been better, not like remarkably better, but, you know, career, he's 33%. You know, his, in the years from his third through whatever last year, he was – 40 percent 36 percent 32 percent 37 percent uh 34 percent and this year he's at 31 percent so you know again i mean if his number if the numbers go up there then i think that matters um 
And again, I think he's also just sort of trying to find his his role in this offense because obviously a lot of what the Bucks do is around giving Chris and Giannis looks, and a, a lot of the the actions the Bucks run are really not like dynamic actions where mm-hmm. you know Bledsoe is really going to be showcased. You do see some pick and roll, obviously, with Bledsoe and Giannis, but you know so much of what the Bucks do is you know pick and roll to get a mismatch, and then everybody's kind of standing around watching, and then maybe Bledsoe gets a kick out for a three or something like that. But it's not as you know it's not as free flowing a dynamic, right? I mean, the yep. Bucks offense is are, is not those things, and so I think <laughs> <No>. it's also <laughs> I think that's also doesn't make Bledsoe necessarily look any better. So yeah, I mean it, it, it's tough. I think they're obviously still trying to figure out how to maybe leverage his skills um the way you'd you'd want them to um but you know at this point i don't know i mean i think he's been sort of what what he is and um for better or worse i think he can probably shoot better and certainly you know his slump of late is i don't think indicative of the player he is um but it's extra it's extra obvious when those other guys aren't playing well yeah and i don't know like it it, with him i just always feel like I just want a little bit more, and that's probably not fair. Um, and, and maybe my expectations were too high, and I expected things to move around a little bit. But just seeing Chris Middleton still leading the league in, or being near the league lead in minutes, and just kind of thinking, man, like it would be kind of cool to see Eric Bledsoe have his own unit, like. We just don't really ever see that. We saw it a little bit uh, with the, in that Sixers game uh, where it was blood so staggered with without Middleton. And, and I'm always just kind of curious uh, better ways to use him. And, and I guess that that's kind of a, just a, a conversation about the Bucks in general. Like, are you maximizing all of your players? And um, with blood, so I think I would have plenty of questions uh, about whether or not um, he's getting maximized. And I don't know. It'll it'll just be interesting to watch. Um, but I think other than that, in that Sixers game. Sterling Brown, I think, comes to mind. Yeah. Um, I, I wrote something at ESPN Milwaukee about um, Sterling's mouth, let's say, um, <laughs> in that uh, he's not afraid to to talk a little crap, and he will uh, just kind of continue to do that no matter who it is, whether it's Chris Paul or John Wall. Um, and Jason Terry had, had said that, if there's one thing you can be sure about with him, it's that he's fearless. Like he, he will never back down from anyone. And um, Thon mentioned that some of the vets. I think he said it was Tony and Delhi and Jet. Uh, kind of talked to him earlier in the week, and were like, "Hey, man, you can talk all the crap you want, and that's fine. Like you just have to know that if you do it against an all-star guard." you're probably going to get fouls called on you because you're drawing attention and officials are not going to give you the benefit of a, of the doubt. So, you know, just uh, just just think about that a, a little bit, but I don't think anyone's going to get him to stop talking. And he had, uh, I thought, a, a real good game uh, against the Sixers. Um, obviously a really hard, hot start to that game. He doesn't end up hitting a bunch of shots after, but he was three for three from three to start the game, ends up four for seven on the night, plays 39 minutes, uh, scores 14 points, two rebounds, a steal. And I think with him, it's, it's very common to just kind of feel that he's, he's just around the ball and he's just like by the action. He's just one of those guys that my eye test says is, all over the place and in the right place and is just able to to do a lot of those being a basketball player things like this is just something that i think with sterling that's kind of always the always been something that we've heard that he just kind of gets how to be a basketball player and understands the flow of a game and the rhythm and where to be and i thought a lot of that was on display on on saturday night and i'm curious to see kind of how he gets used moving forward because 39 minutes is a lot of minutes for Sterling Brown when he could barely crack the rotation two weeks ago. Yeah, I, I was surprised. Um, I, I didn't realize he had played that many minutes, but obviously, you know, a big part of it is just the lack of depth with, yeah. 
you have both Giannis and and especially Malcolm being out, um, and and obviously Vaughn and you know Munford. We saw those guys at the very end when the game was out of hand, but but those guys you know really weren't part of the rotation either. So uh, so yeah, I mean I was uh, you know that was probably the most interesting thing to me about this game was sort of that like okay let's see what Sterling Brown can do in in real minutes and um, you know again I think um, you know he uh, <laughs> there was that play where he knocked it away from uh, T.J. McConnell and. I thought like TJ McConnell was going to like outrun him or like dive for the ball. I thought no. somebody was going to dive for yep. the ball. Nobody dives for the ball. It's almost like McConnell like didn't want to mess with Sterling and Sterling kind of <laughs> out sprinted him and picked up the ball. And I think that was the play he, he went up and finished for the end one. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, with, with Sterling, I mean, so much of his, you know, what will determine whether he is a, you know, guy who just sort of washes out after a few years, or if he's a guy that actually carves out uh, meaningful rotation minutes and becomes like a good role player in the NBA is going to be, can he knock down threes regularly? And, you know, again, I just think it's a, again, it's still small sample size, but, you know, him coming out and hitting 48% of, of his threes, it's important, you know. It, mm-hmm. I think it's important for him to to not only win over his teammates, win over coaching staff, um, get some confidence. Not that he's a guy based on uh, <laughs> your your story that he's lacking in that department, but um, but again, just seeing the ball go in early in your career, I think it's just important to know that, like, yeah, you 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 can play with these guys. And um, I think for him, you know, knowing that 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 shot, which our friend Dean Maniat. Uh, really likes the arc of he, Dean was tweeting about that. You, you have uh, always long been a Tony Snell uh, shot uh, fan. Yes. And so you and Dean are kind of going at it now who has the prettier <laughs> shot. Um, but Sterling, I, I actually think Sterling has a nicer release. Tony, there's something kind of like flippy about Tony's shot. Ooh, maybe. I don't, I don't like anything about Tony's shot while the ball is still in his hands. Okay. Yeah. Only, kinda... only once it's out of his hands, it's majestic and it just, <laughs> floats through the air and then splashes down through the rim it's it's fantastic yeah so sterling maybe has the prettier shot i mean of course rashad vaughn also shoots an easy ball he can shoot it he does it it just doesn't go in that much (laughs) (laughs) or or, or hasn't historically um but yeah so i think for Sterling, it's important because we've seen obviously we've seen rookies who don't start well and it it continues to follow them and you know again um we we had to spend a lot of time making excuses for why Rashad Vaughn still had hope of, you know, becoming a solid NBA player. And, you know, now he's a guy who, even though he's played solidly in his limited minutes this year, you know, the team seems to have moved on. So for Sterling, um, you know, yeah, I think it's a big deal. It's, it's great to see him. It's great to see him um, being physical and, and not backing down defensively as well. And um, certainly, you know, it's the old question, you know, can you, how, how, can you ever have enough uh, three and D wings. No, no, you can't. Never. Um, so, so him developing in the way he has obviously is is a big deal, especially in a year where DJ Wilson obviously at this point has been a, a total zero for the Bucks, and you know who knows if they'll ever get something out of DJ Wilson. So, uh, another second round pick, you know, knock on wood, panning out would obviously be a really big deal because the Bucks again they always need those those rotation guys on cheap contracts who who are young and have the potential to get better. Yeah, I, I really thought just. For all of the Sterling stands out there, and, and I think you might count both of us among them, um, it was just good to kind of see when the game still mattered. Like those weren't garbage time points. Like those were those were real threes that he hit when it actually mattered. And then on top of that, he plays thirty nine minutes. And in a lot in a larger sample, the, all those things that you kind of like about him when he was coming off the bench in very short stints still existed in that time and sometimes with with guys that are you know kind of hustlers uh using their energy and really trying to show how hard they can work offensively and defensively when they get to play longer minutes sometimes that stuff doesn't doesn't stay it doesn't persist and uh with sterling i thought it really did like i, I he looked very much in 39 minutes like he did when he was playing 12 minutes and i i think there's there's plenty to be excited about there and hopefully uh he will continue to to get a chance because um you mentioned him shooting 48 percent and like this is that's not an anomaly he shot 44 percent from three in his senior season and there's plenty of volume so this is someone that that can really knock down shots and uh, i think there's is he ever going to be a superstar in the league? No, 
That like that's never going to be his role. But as you said, if you can get a three and D guy on a rookie contract and he can play regular minutes for the next two and a half years, that's great. Like that is something insanely valuable in the NBA. And and I think you know, I, it's been interesting kind of hearing people talk about you know the, the you know again, and it ties back to the discussion about how good should the Bucks be, and the idea of well, the Bucks bench is bad, right? I mean, and that's been. I think in terms of results, clearly, you know, that we've talked about how the starting five, uh, especially the one with Snell, has been really, really good. And then, obviously, everything else has worked against them, right? I mean, they don't have a negative point differential because the bench has been really good. And we've seen at various points the bench has been good. You know, I mean, I remind you guys, a year ago, the last, I don't know, I think since mid-December on last year, the Bucks were better without Giannis on the court, which now seems insane to say. Because this year, you know, as good as he was last year, he's obviously become better this year, and their reliance on him has become even more pronounced. And I think a lot of that probably was because, you know, Greg Monroe was obviously um, coming off the bench, and Malcolm Brogdon was coming off the bench, and you know, a lot of those bench units with again um, some starters in mixed in uh, were able to produce at a very high level. Whereas this year, you know, especially with Brogdon starting of late, I mean, the Bucks are really kind of going all in on their starters. And they just don't have guys available off the bench. And I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, if if Brogdon ever gets moved back to the bench, if Jabari Parker, when he comes back, will he be coming off the bench? Um, obviously, those that those types of players really help you add depth and help you kind of string together kind of different units that make sense. Um, but a guy like Sterling Brown, I mean, to go from, you know, playing DeAndre Liggins or randomly playing, you know, Rashad or pick whoever to having, you know, if Sterling Brown can give you 15 20 minutes yep. of you know it's not going to be consistently every night hitting half of his threes but if he can give you like solid minutes um where he's not where he's like decent you know not even like really good but just Correct. decent um having one more guy like that on the wing is just that's really big for for any team especially a team like the bucks which um obviously has has lost a lot of games because you know those non-starting units have, have not held up their end of the bargain yeah and uh it's something that we've talked about this entire year so if if he is able to kind of grab some of those minutes and and take control of that like that it, it could be really important uh for the bucks as we watch them try to continue on into the playoffs and um as they do kind of make a playoff push uh because now i have to i have to talk like that rather than uh say oh yeah in the playoffs with this team because well they're they're not as good as they were uh they are now sitting in the eighth spot at 23 and 22 um and we've talked about it before that between the pistons bucks pacers and sixers there's four teams in three spots um so the bucks sadly have some work to do so we'll, we'll kind of see what happens there um Let's hop into talking a little bit about Giannis and and kind of the news with him. Obviously, he sits out uh, on Saturday night. He's also going to sit out tonight uh, on Monday against the Suns. Uh, The Bucs released on Saturday morning that uh, they wanted to do this, uh, these two games, to try to give Giannis uh, eight days off, uh, or I shouldn't say eight days off, but eight days without uh, a game. And as you look at it, there isn't really a ton of spots that you could do that in the schedule. I, I was curious on Friday when we saw him listed as out in the game notes, um, just because, well, it, it was strange with that next week where they have, or this week, I should say, where it's Monday game and then three off days until uh, Friday. So I, I, it was kind of curious to me, um, but now I think it makes a little bit more sense that it's two games and then eight days without a game for Giannis. Um, what was going through your mind when you initially saw um, either on Friday him being out in the game notes or on Saturday morning uh, when you learned that he'd be sitting out those two games? Well, I think we found it out in two waves, right? We found out that he was going to miss the game on Saturday. Um, and uh, again, I, you know, we've talked about how the, the pattern of this has been that 
it's come around the same time each month that he's missed a game due to the you know basically resting the knee uh what was it the 22nd of november the 23rd of december and yep. then um the what was it was the 20th uh, was yeah the 28th was saturday yeah um so, you know, the cadence of this has been pretty consistent and, you know, certainly all the talk, Matt Velasquez reported it, you know, I know you reported um, about uh, that, you know, you heard that he was not going to miss the all-star game. Um, when you went to practice, he was like working at the end of practice. <laughs> Longer than shots. anyone else. Yeah. So it, it's all just kind of, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously we don't know, you know, we're not doctors. We don't know what it feels like. We don't know the conversations going on behind closed doors. It seems like the Bucks genuinely, you know, believe that this can be managed and that it's not something that he's going to miss extended time from. But I, when I, and if it had been one game, I'd say, okay, my, you know, like again, this is more one another, you know, another reason why you'd look at the minutes he's playing and saying, you know, even if he didn't have the knee problem, you don't want to be the team that has their superstar leading the league in minutes, you know? Uh, and again, not that, that having a race to play, have your superstar play the fewest minutes is, is necessarily also the way to think about it. But obviously the bucks have not done a good job of saving their, their best players and, you know, keeping them on a low minutes load blood. So they have just because they have so much depth at the guard spots that they're able to do that better. But with Chris and Giannis, they have done a terrible job of finding them relief um, from playing big minutes. So, that's a concern just in general. I mean, the more you run these guys down, the more you know susceptible they are to other injuries, but both Giannis in particular, the fact that he has this existing thing, which, you know, again, he, you know, they obviously feel like they have to rest him at times. So I, I was probably less concerned about the one game because we kind of thought it might happen at some point soon. But to hear then that it was going to be then two games was probably more of a concern for me because a, they were now going to be holding him out a home game. <laughs> they have uh, strategically uh, sat him out road games. Um, but now to make him sit out two games, in particular, you know, they had a couple days off before Saturday's game. It was a big game uh, given again, it was against the Sixers who now have passed them in the standings. Uh, and then given that, you know, the Monday game is not a back-to-back either. I don't know. It, it was a little bit concerning because obviously it suggests that like, it's more than just like, oh, give him a night off. You know, like it's about how do we get him a week off? Um, how do we get him eight days off, right? And especially given the All-Star break is coming up as well. Um, you know, the Bucks schedule, uh, let's see, I guess I guess there might be a little bit, um, a little bit, you know, fewer, fewer kind of big breaks with the All-Star break. But, you know, from the 15th of February to the 23rd of February, the Bucks don't play any games. Um, so... You know, again, you could have waited another three weeks and gotten eight days off there as well. So, I mean, it's hard, right? Like, we can try to be doctors and whatever, but fundamentally, um, it just sucks that this even exists as a thing that the Bucks have to handle. Um, and it's not new. And um, again, like, you know, I think the, the scary thing is you have to ask yourself, like, do we trust that the Bucks are going to handle this correctly? And, um, you know, fundamentally as long as this is like a once a month thing I, I i guess we just live with it but obviously you know seeing the minute loads that jason kidd is putting not just Giannis but chris on um i mean we just i know we've talked about it like that i think that is one of the big questions that you know of all the questions about jason kidd i think that's one of the main ones like how do you better manage these guys minutes and so it, it's just uh, you know it's something i think people need to worry about but again i'm also not you know, punching the panic button and feeling like the sky is falling. But, you know, again, hopefully the time off benefits him. But you just you never want to see your franchise player having, you know, recurring issues with any with anything, let alone a knee. So I guess uh, do you really think they could have got him to sit out the All-Star break? Like, I don't think that's realistic, right? Well, I mean, what does he have to do in the All-Star break? Play play like one exhibition game? Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, I mean, that's the thing I don't understand, right? Like, he, if he's like doing workouts in practice and he's definitely going to play in the All Star game, like, I don't, I don't really under, you know, like, I can't tell you I understand exactly what counts. Like, that playing one game, like, makes it all not, you know, like erases the uh, the four days of rest you have before it. I, I don't know, right? I mean, it seems like from what we've heard suggestions that, 
you know, during the next next summer, maybe he needs to just take an extended period off. I don't know, right? Yeah. Um, but it's just it, it's just kind of difficult to to figure out like exactly what we're dealing with and how how rest improves it and you know what how much rest he needs. I mean, I guess more is better, but um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's just if I feel like a little bit there's a bit mixed messaging. Um, because he's doing like everything and it seems, it seems like he's doing everything, including practicing. And then he's not playing in games, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like that seems a little weird to me that he's putting an extra work at practice one day and then, Oh, he's going to, we want to get him eight days off. It's like, all right, well, I guess, I guess that doesn't mean you lay on a couch for eight days. Um, but you know, from the outside looking in, it's, um, I mean, especially with given the, the precious cargo we're talking about, uh, with Giannis, uh, I, I worry. I mean, I'd, I'd worry anyway, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you just hope that, that it doesn't turn into something bigger because if it turns into Giannis needs to miss two weeks, Giannis needs a Tony Snell or a Matthew Del Vadova break. Um, then that could be the Bucks season, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's probably what the, you know, wants to talk about, but, um, but that, that would be a huge deal. I, I guess all of this is just, uh, I, it's impossible in that we don't know anything. Like all we know is that he's taking these games off. And uh, I, I guess one thing that I find interesting is like we're spending time thinking about this, and I'm not paying him 100 million dollars, and I'm not basing my entire uh, essentially coaching career on it. I'm not basing my entire franchise on it. Like the owners, like. They, uh, I would assume they're very much aware that if Giannis is not healthy, this team is trash. Like, right? Like, they, they're very aware of that. So, uh, I would assume that. Uh, I guess as all of this goes through, and uh, you mentioned that him sitting two games made you feel worse, and uh, for me, it's the opposite. The fact that, uh, I mean, that feels like there was some some forethought put into it that okay, here's a space in the schedule where we can get him eight days off. And I think there's really only a, a couple other days, a, a couple other times in the schedule where you could have done that, like have him miss two games and get him eight days off. So when I heard that, and I, I just kind of thought, oh, okay, this it made me feel better about a potential plan than just haphazardly giving him a night off if that makes sense um where it's just like oh well he's got he's got tonight off and uh i don't know uh but like at the start of the season when he sat out that first game i think i i don't think this was on the podcast i think it was when we were talking beforehand and i i think the first thing i said when he missed that game was is this the new normal frank and you're like i don't know that certainly something to think about and then when he sits out that second one and it happens to be about around the same time as the first one i think both you and i uh, again i don't know if it was on the podcast but i'm pretty sure we we talked about okay well when do you think the next time he would sit out would be and we talked we talked it through and talked through dates like i had that conversation with you i had that conversation with matt velasquez like is there a Giannis rest date coming out here sometime in the next little while and we talked it through and i was like well it looks like they've done road games thus far so uh, that philly one looked like like a day that you could do it um i had mentioned maybe the uh the that heat sunday game maybe that would be a day to do it um where you could kind of take him out of a back-to-back or or do something like that and we got to a point where you and i had that conversation matt and i had had that conversation and it it was all just speculation just guessing like i i hadn't heard that this was a plan um that they were going to do it every month but now we're to a spot where it seems like that's that's kind of the new normal and i'm curious if if they're sitting him out now and with the All-Star break, I know last year when Giannis came back, I I asked him a question about, hey, d- does does it feel nice now here in the second half of the season? Like after the All-Star break, you got some time to rest? And he was like, no, like the All-Star game was exhausting. Like that whole 
whole time. Like he's like, I don't feel like I had a break at all. Like I just went straight through, and, and that just kind of stuck out to me because you do, like you said, you what you play an exhibition game. Like how is that? How is that going to be tiring? But like, there's so much other stuff. And last year, I think it might have been even more overwhelming because it was his first one, and there was just kind of that whole like media circus. So maybe he'll have a little bit better idea. But the fact that he did say like it was super tiring, and I didn't come back feeling rested, um, made me think that okay, you get him the rest now, you get him those eight days, and then all of a sudden maybe you switch it up and instead of uh, around the 20th you decide that you want to do it a little bit earlier in the month so maybe somewhere in march like you have them take off uh monday march 12th at memphis <laughs> uh, and then you have friday lose, lose that winnable game and drop to ninth in the standings or wherever they'll be at that point sure yeah. but then you have a friday to wednesday break for him and, and then you you're in a spot where if you are playing well enough that you are in the playoff race that at the end of the season, if you need to lose a game to get a better seed or a more favorable matchup, like you could do that at the end of the season as well. But in the end, this season, he's going to miss what six games. I, again, that this is pure speculation if this continues, but at the, after today's game, he'll have missed four games. So maybe there's another one in there and he misses five games in the year. And, I, I guess, like I said, once I heard that it was two games to give him eight days, I felt like, oh, okay, this is this is actually planned. Like this isn't uh, my knees acting up a little bit. How about we we get me out of the game? And and like you said, like I was there on Friday, I saw him working after practice with Sweeney. Like he was totally fine. Um, so it, all of those things just made me feel, I guess, a little bit better and feel like this was actually planned out ahead of time whether or not they could ever announce at the start of the year like Giannis is gonna miss games 1 21 41 and 61 like I don't think you could ever do that at the start of the season but though just this idea of making it two games eight days just made me feel a little bit better that that a plan was in place and that they had kind of gone through and figured out uh, a way to make this happen well, and it's also, I mean, rest is, there's different kinds of rest too, right? I mean, like what you're talking about last year with the All-Star game. I mean, yeah, I mean, doing all the media stuff, traveling around, you know, he's with his family, he's got all his brothers, or probably doing fun stuff, whatever. I mean, I, I've gone on vacations where I didn't feel like I was recharging because I was doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. That doesn't mean that my, my like, limbs were physically sure, taxed, sure. right? So, like... I mean, I would hope that he didn't come back with his knee extra sore from doing interviews and, you know, running around to like different media events over all star. So I think it's like different types of of, you know, exhaustion, I guess. And, and, and you know, again, you want, you know, you, you don't and, and it's not to say that 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 type of, you know, non rest is is not a big deal because certainly like you know, psychological and physical, all that stuff matters during an NBA season, given how long and how much of a grind it is. Um, but I think for Giannis in particular, I mean, you know, what we're worried about and we're focused on is very specifically one of his knees and, and this discomfort that he feels. Um, and, and again, I still don't even fully understand sort of like the nature of, of the symptoms, you know, like, yeah. is it after every game? And we know he ices a lot, obviously things like that, but like, does it mean that like every game he after every game he wakes up and his knees sore? Is it during games his knees sore? There are games where he's just you know fighting through it. I mean I don't know. Like I don't know if we've ever. I don't think he really lets on much about that. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. I mean it's tough. I mean we're we're kind of left to to speculate. Um, but uh, you know again I think you you just hope that that by buying this time that that again as you said that um, that it is part of a coherent plan that it is not. That is proactive rather than reactive, um, yeah. and I think that's always the concern, you know. And and I agree. I mean, if they had come out and said, "Well, we'll see how it is. Maybe he'll play Monday," and then he didn't play Monday, that would be more <laughs> worrying. Yeah. Than if they just said, "You know what? We're just going to give him two days off, give him a whole, you know, eight days, and he'll be he'll be good to go thereafter." So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I can I can talk myself in circles around this, you know, all day long. I mean, I think. Obviously, we're at this point where we're somewhat accustomed to sort of our, you know, 
keeping our threat level at orange or whatever for our concerns about Giannis's knee. We know it's something. We know it's been something for a while. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't think you know they're not going to solve this. Certainly not during a season. I don't know if it's the kind of thing where you know next summer if they could take him and put him on a specific program that that could make it much better going into the following season. I don't know, um, but you obviously that that's what you would hope. But certainly for this season, I mean, at this point, yeah, you would just hope that it's something that if he misses one game a month, then he hopefully is going to be in good shape come playoff time. And you know, if the Bucks actually get there, <laughs> because yeah. at this point, those six games he misses, if he misses six games. Those are very big games to miss. The Bucks right now are one and two without Giannis. Um, you know, we'll see if they can beat the Suns for the second time without Giannis on Monday. Um, but uh, obviously, yeah, if you win a game without Giannis, you kind of feel like you're, you know, stealing games. You know, winning with house money there or playing with house money. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see at the end of the year where, where they are because I guess you, you don't want to say it's good because they should have won that Hornets game, right? Like the the first one that or one of the first ones that Giannis missed, they should have been 2-0 and in games Giannis had missed going into that Philly game. You lose that one to Philly, you go down to 2-1, and one, and then you would hope that they can beat the Suns, and all of a sudden you're, you'd hope you'd be 3-1 and one, uh, in four games where Giannis is out, but that doesn't appear like it's going to be the case, and uh, we'll have to see what they can do against the Suns. Uh, taking a look at that Phoenix team, um, they're they're not very good at basketball. Um, they're, they're okay, seventeen and twenty nine on the season. Uh, offensive rating of twenty sixth, defensive rating of twenty ninth. Uh, those numbers from BasketballReference.com. So they're, uh, I mean, they're a team that is is young. They they struggle quite a bit. Um, they are trying to figure out who they are as a team. Devin Booker puts up a bunch of shots. Um, that is very much something that he does. Uh, there's a bunch of nights where he goes off, uh, cause he, he can have nights like that. Um, on the season, he's averaging 25 points, four assists, four rebounds a game. So, um, he, he's going to be kind of that guy, uh, for them. And you'll just kind of have to see what they can do. Um, I would, I would hope that the Bucks can win this game even without Giannis, but, Again, never trust the Bucks, and really never trust the Bucks when Giannis isn't playing. Yeah, I mean, you, you're going to have to hope that Bledsoe amps up his revenge game uh, a, a bit. Beyond, you know, like, we, we, and he wasn't great in that first game in Phoenix. Um, he kind of had moments where he was bad, and then I think overall, though, um, he did make a lot of big plays in that game, and, and Chris was was good in that game. I mean, it's kind of funny. I mean, we talk so much about Chris and how he's overcast as a second banana and, and stuff like that. And, you know, he doesn't play well in, in kind of big moments where, def- you know, against good teams where, where defenses can kind of key on him. But it is kind of interesting that in these games now, he's played three games without Giannis this year. And he's averaging, I think, 31 points, nine rebounds, and like five or six assists per game in those games. Mm-hmm. He played a ton. He's played a ton of minutes too. So let's be clear. He's not like he's playing a 35 minute thing. He's like over 40 minutes per game in these games. But, um, but it and is that was I mean, boosted by an overtime against Charlotte as well. Uh, right. Phoenix in Phoenix. It was overtime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah he played 46 uh, in Phoenix <laughs> played um, 40 in a regulation loss in, in, uh, in Charlotte. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it is at least encouraging that, you know, when Chris does have to take on this increased responsibility with Giannis out that he had, I mean, he's played at a high level. I mean, he wasn't super efficient scoring wise against the Sixers, but I mean, look, the guy had 14 rebounds, 10 assists. I mean, clearly of any of the bucks out there, I mean, he was living up to his end of the bargain. Um, and you know, it's, it's kind of funny. He could be Devin Booker on the Suns. I feel confident. I feel confident. Well, he he wouldn't, he wouldn't look as good. I mean, Devin Booker still like looks and does stuff in a smoother way. He's, you know, but he'd probably have more rebounds and assists. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, could Chris put up, you know, I I mean, I think absolutely Chris is talented enough. Like, I mean, you know, whether it's Kevin Martin back when he was on Sacramento, you know, these guys who put up, you know, 20 something points per game and good stats, bad teams guy. Good stats, bad teams. I mean, I think absolutely Chris could be a guy like that. I mean, he's putting up good stats on a like, you know, 500 team that should be better right now. <laughs> you caught yourself um, there. You were about to say a good team. 
yeah, yeah, no, uh, not yet. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so I, I guess we'll see because certainly you know we talk about Chris Middleton and the standard for him and you know wanting him to play at a high level because obviously you know both Bloodstone Middleton like I mean if if they are fringe all stars that elevates the Bucks in a different way versus if you know they're definitely not all stars you know only put up stats because you know they have to and somebody's got to take shots right (laughs) like um and and again i think certainly of late there's been a lot of negativity about um in particular chris just because obviously he's had a bunch of bad shooting games but i mean the irony is like chris's true shooting mark is basically like has been basically exactly the same the last four years i mean chris is you know putting up basically as good or better numbers this year than two years ago, which was his previous best year. And obviously he's playing a ton of minutes, so he's scoring more. His usage is slightly higher. So, um, so it's kind of interesting. You can't see it right now, but I'm sipping on some tea. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and the two, two, the two big issues here are, um, his three point shooting obviously has been lower than, than you'd want to. He's at like what? 34% right now. So obviously, you hold out hope that that can still mean revert over the course of the season. Um, and then his defense and just, I think it's just his effort in general. Like he just seems like he's yep. gotten worn down more playing a lot of minutes, playing more for, um, I, I just think that's sapped some of his abilities on the defensive end. And totally again, you don't, nece- you don't necessarily see that in some of the basic stats, obviously, but, um, but certainly like his RPM is down this year, yep. you know, for, for everybody who's like, Oh, you know, like uh, I test tells me, you know, Chris hasn't been that good. Well, no, RPM, a lot of the advanced analytics say that like he's not quite as good, even if maybe some of his like efficiency stats are, are as good or better than previous years. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll just have to kind of see how it goes. And obviously with Jabari eventually coming back as well, that adds another dimension to all this in terms of, you know, you hope that it cuts out some of these bad shots that that Chris and and, and Eric tend to take. Um, but again, like, do I trust that those shots that they're not going to be taking long twos just because, you know, Jabari's back and he's got to eat and get shots as well. No, but you know, again, I don't think this team is disciplined enough offensively to, to, to do that. But, um, you know, one thing I did like to see, I think they took what 32 threes against the Sixers. I mean, Tony and Sterling took a ton of threes and both guys played pretty well. And you just hope that, especially when Giannis is in in the game, I mean, they have to be a team that tries to shoot threes. So, um, we'll, we'll, we'll see if that, uh, if it keeps up on Monday. Man, that that just hurt to say that without Giannis, they gotta be a team that shoots threes. They shoot shoot threes all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. No, I I, yeah, I know, I know. Sure, yeah. I I wasn't trying to say you were saying anything different, but ugh, it shouldn't take Giannis being out to get thirty two threes up in a game. That is that is more what I was trying to say. Well, yeah, and especially because I mean Giannis, by his very nature, should create lots of open of threes. Correct. So yeah, to be clear. We are not saying that the Bucks should stop shooting threes with with Giannis on the court. If anything, they should probably be shooting as many or more, just because they are, they should they should be shooting a better percentage, just because Giannis has so much gravity. I, I didn't think that would ever have to be a clarification that we would need yeah. to put out on this podcast, but I'm happy that we did it just to be safe there. So, yeah. uh, Bucks lose one sixteen ninety four to the seventy sixers on Saturday night. They lose Giannis for two games, and obviously, uh, we talked a little bit about that and obviously they have the suns tonight that is going to be it for us for today for frank men i'm eric name and we will talk to you after the game and hopefully it makes you want to watch the bucks and not not watch the bucks (laughs) um so we'll see you after the game we'll talk to you and we'll break it down then uh we'll talk to you later